Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week's episode, we are just going to be continuing on with our top 100 games of all time. When we did this last year, we did a mathematically combined list. Natasha did the math, which is not Very her scientific. strongest is not her strongest math subject. Is my strongest math See, is my strongest subject. Speaking is not though. No, no. <laughs> uh, so we did. Uh, we, there was some maths. She did some maths last year, and we did a combined list this year. Uh, we are doing our own list, so we're gonna we're gonna give our own independent lists this week in particular. We are going to be doing sixty through fifty one, and honestly, let's just get into it. Let's do our list. Let's uh, let's start us off, Natasha. What is your number sixty? All right, my number sixty is called QE. This is a a board game. Uh, what I'll play now, boardgametables.com, now called All Play. So when somebody told me about this game, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not interested." It's a bidding game where you can bid whatever you want. Like you can go as high as you want: one trillion dollars, one hundred trillion dollars, doesn't matter. The twist being that whoever bids the most. At the end of the game, you add up everything you've bid, you've successfully won, total up your the money spent. Whoever spends the most money on these auctions is out of the running. You, they cannot win. They automatically lose. So whoever earns the most points and doesn't spend the most money is the one that wins. And you win by just basically set collection. So you're bidding over these different tiles that come up and trying to get various sets together. And the whole game just... Totally works. Yeah, so this game, QE, is an interesting game because you, when you first start playing this and you hear the concept like Natasha told you, it sounds like it's not going to work, right? It sounds like that. It In your head, you're thinking there's no way this game is going to function based on this, like, you can just obscurely put whatever value you want, but it works. It's interesting how it all kind of like actually works based on what people are doing. And it's always it was always it's always kind of fun because everyone starts off real tiny. You know, the very first one's like one thousand. You think you're hot <laughs> stuff going. Mm. Oh, yeah, you, we can go as high as we want. Hmm. One thousand. And then <laughs> and you're like, OK, and people will win it. And then the next one's just like, well, I say ten thousand. And the next thing escalates. you know, it's Yeah. And then the like the very last one is six trillion dollars and you're like you don't even write the zeros you just put six trill on it and then people start bidding on it or you screw over the person who has that starting bid because if nobody bids higher then you have to pay for it so if you have like the if you think you've got the most amount of money because you're not keeping a running score of everyone else that they've spent in fact you don't even know what they've spent you just know that they if they won the bid that you just know that they've bid more than you so you have an idea of what they spent but you can, I know people have escalated it really quickly and gotten hosed and then gotten stuck trying to raise the prices to get other people to bid more than them and then getting stuck with that title and losing the game. So it, if you don't like bidding games, like do not rule this game out. I hate bidding games. There's very few that I actually like and I love this game. It is so unique and easy and just fun to play. I agree. I normally... I would say bidding games like this just don't just wouldn't work with a lot of people. But this game, for whatever reason, does. If there was just a straight bidding game, I don't know if I would necessarily want to play it. And something like QE, it doesn't make my list. 
uh, it's I don't think it's engaging enough for me, and maybe it partly is because I'm really bad at it, and I always lose. Most of the time, I don't actually lose. I'm ineligible to win. I should rephrase because <laughs> I always end up overspending. Because in the I beginning, always... I'm not buying anything, and then I really need to start buying stuff so I can get points, and then I just I yeah, end up spending a lot go of money. Yeah, you fast and hard. Got to buy all the ones in the beginning because it's only going to escalate, probably, yeah. most likely, yeah. unless you buy all of them and then they decide to screw you over. Yeah, I just every single time I played this game, it's just been a hoot in a riot and and it ends up just being this wild game and it, and it's a lot of fun. It's almost like a in some ways like a party game. I kind of feel like it's party game style. It feels game. like just, it. Yeah. yeah. You could yeah. definitely put it in that category. You could play this with non-board gamers just a little bit to teach with the the way that those set collection works and whatnot, but overall, yeah, I would describe it definitely more of a party game than a strategy game. Yeah. Yeah. Although there but, is strategy to it. Yes, because you need to get specific things and you need to get basically different kinds of sets and you you want to get certain things in order to score points. So there is some strategy on what you bid. I think some of the strategy is the social manipulation too. In some ways it's... I don't want to say this game is a social deduction game because it's not. But no. you can definitely start getting people to bid on things that they shouldn't. You can start... I, because I always like to interject a lot of times. I'll be like, so, you know, like, I really need that tile. Are you going to, how much are you bidding? And I start, I just start with that, like, little general back and forth with people next to me. And it just gets them thinking, like, is Bob actually going to try to get this? If I want to get it, then I need to spend more money. And I, I kind of like that interaction. But yeah, like I said, it didn't make my list, but pretty solid game, I would say. It works, even though it shouldn't. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. It's it's a lot of fun. Definitely worth playing sometime. That is my number 60 QE. All right. My number 60 is Champions of Midgard. This is a, a, a worker placement style game from Gray Fox. And this is, you know, it's Nor- Norse mythology, but it, 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 it focuses a lot on there's like a lot of there's a decent amount of combat in it so one of the things you're doing is you're sending out your workers to these different spots and you're acquiring warriors and warriors are going to be basically dice and there's going to be trolls that are invading you know your campgrounds that you're trying to fight off you can you know buy ships and set sail on quests and go defeat like larger creatures and it's just an interesting cool worker placement game i one of the the things that i think a lot of people didn't like about just the base game is you could get really hosed on die rolls so if you if you you know charted a boat out to this particular monster and you whiff on your dice you lose all your dice and you don't get any points and that really sucks because you invested all this all these resources into you know trying to make it out to this monster and defeat it for this points what they've done is they've added the Valhalla expansion. They've actually added two, but the Valhalla expansion in particular kind of helps with that. Like even if you lose your dice, they go to Valhalla and you get different things and different. So you get compensated for losing, which I think like really fixes the game. It's one of those games that's just cool. Like you're chucking dice. I like the artwork in it. You get special powers at the beginning. Each one of your you know factions does something just a little bit different. But have you played this game? No, I don't think I will. <sighs> is it because of the dice? It's because of the dice, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's just not my style of game. That's okay. You can still like it. <laughs> I think you 
for the permission to like a game that's on my top 100. I wouldn't give a shit about it because I haven't actually played it. So that's right up there with the I love that for you. That's what I felt like. That was the I I, I love that for you energy when you really don't care about the thing. Like, "Eh, whatever. Like, you can you can like it. I don't know. I think it's a good game. I think it's fun. I I liked it before the Valhalla expansion and then getting that expansion, I think, really adds to the game because it does give you options if you lose like a like a larger combat against one of the bigger creatures. But if you like that sort of theme and you like, you know, worker placement with chucking some dice, I think this is a pretty solid game. So my number 60 champions of Midgard. My number 59 is Curious Cargo. So this is a two player only game about uh, trying to get your your pieces and parts out of the factory floor through these pipes. You have to create lay these tiles to create pipes so that you can get them out the door and into the trucks. And then the, the trucks like move along once they're full, they move along and they kind of land in different spots. So then you have to move your piping along and you're playing this game of, of really trying to be really efficient with getting your um, pieces out the door, but then also your opponent's pieces are coming towards you. So you want to load them back up into your factory. So you also want to work on setting, setting yourself up. So that way when the, that truck rolls and you're able to grab those pieces and you can, you've got pipeline laid out so you can, those pieces will fit through there and, and you'll get points for collecting those as well. And it's a fun little two-player puzzle. Like I, I just really like the laying the tiles. I like the mechanics of the game. I think it's really interesting and a little tricky. And it, it's I enjoy it every time I play it a little bit more just because of how tricky it is. But I, I like this this puzzly game. Yeah, I've never played it, unfortunately. It's because it's the designer that did Pipeline, did this, and then... Um... Trailblazers, Trailblazers, correct? Yeah, yeah Trailblazers okay. is just the routes. You're just building the routes, but this has a whole game behind it with some cards and and the the choosing of the trucks to come in. It's a it's definitely crunchier and and thinkier. It, but it, but it, it it hits me in all the right spots. I love the the puzzliness of this game. I highly recommend it. My fifty nine curious cargo. It, what's interesting is a lot of times with designers, what you'll do is you'll see them make a light game take the mechanics and move it into a to a heavier weight and then a heavier weight you know like uh mm-hmm. you've seen a lot of designers do this like uve rosenberg threw everything he had at a feast for odin all the things that he had built up throughout like he kind of threw at that with this uh designer ryan ryan courtney he almost went opposite because he did pipeline which was super heavy curious cargo which is a little bit lighter and then trailblazers which at the end of the day is just route building Fairly simple drafting game, and and I don't want to call it tile placement because you're not placing tiles or placing cards, but same I would difference. Consider I consider it a tile placement game, even though they're cards, because of the way that you lay them out. But yeah, yeah, it is interesting—a different, unique path. And I like how he's kept that same mechanic and and made him made him all good games. I haven't played Pipeline though. Ooh, you haven't played Pipeline? Have you? Do you want to? Not really. I like Curious Cargo. That's heavy enough for me. I don't. I know Pipeline is super heavy and long, so I'm fine with not playing it. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I've I've wanted to try it because I think it I think it looks cool, but fortunately, I haven't had an opportunity. So, uh, moving on. My number fifty nine favorite game of all time, as of twenty twenty four, is Acropolis. This was on Natasha's list last week. It yeah, was... my sixty one. Yep, so it's it's right in there between the two of us. And 
I said it last week. I'm saying it this week. I feel like this game is just like a nice hidden gem. It's not super heavy. So if you're looking for something that's heavy, this isn't it. But it's it's just a cool, you know, tile laying game. You know, your your tiles are unique pieces and you have a row that's displayed. And if you the first one's free, like a lot of those types of games are, the second one's going to cost you a brick. The third one's going to cost you. I think it's stone, actually. But as you're acquiring them, you start building out, you know, your little display and you're basically trying to acquire um, building types. Well, some of the buildings are going to have specific scoring conditions because you you want basically like this building needs to be entirely enclosed. This building needs to just be on the outskirts. This building needs to not be next to other buildings of the same kind. And you're trying to acquire those to make these to get a lot of buildings of the same type. But then you're also trying to get the buildings that have stars on them, which is what you're going to score. The other thing about this game that I think is interesting is instead of just going out, you can build up. And as you build up, it's going to help get you additional stone, but it's also going to increase the value of that one particular building. So if it's stacked up, instead of being valued as one, it's now valued as two. So it, it, it increases as you stack up, which I think is cool. Makes you think about your tile placement just a little bit differently. But this game, yeah, I, you know, we put it on our top 10 games of 23, and I think it deserves it. I think it's a, I think it's a solid... Solid little game, not super long, kind of, I don't want to say quite filler, because I think it's a little bit longer than a filler game, but it still has some cool, interesting decisions. Sometimes you want to deny tiles from people, unless you're Natasha, then you just like feed them to these tiles, because that's what she does. But yeah, She's so I think upset about that, huh? It was annoying, to say the least, that you didn't do that. Because that's the, the, I think the reason why I'm frustrated about it is... If I was on the other side of you, you would have made sure to steal the tiles that I needed. But no, because it wasn't I don't me. Play like that. Oh, stop. You I'm learning to play like that. I I've, I've been trying to play more like that. When I especially when I play two player games with just you, uh, like uh-huh. um King Domino. King Domino, I've been trying sure. to draft them hate draft, but it's not part of my strategy. Sure. And I yeah. feel like if it when it comes to hate drafting we all need to take turns. I can't be the only one responsible for hate drafting. It's too much it depends on the position of other. We're not going to get into this again, but it depends on the position of the other people. Maybe like if. No, if I should I'm, not bear the burden because of who I'm who I'm sitting next to. Like somebody else needs to do it as well. We all take we all bear the burden of the person that's sitting next to us. That's just how it is. Just how it is. But sometimes those people aren't a burden. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Either way, I really like this game. I think it's I think it's a it's a cool little puzzly kind of game. I am curious like long term how long it sits, but as of right now, I'm enjoying it, especially playing it on board game arena. Uh my number fifty nine is Acropolis. All right. My number fifty eight is Res Arcana. This is a I don't know a card game and it's kinda got a magic fantasy feel to it. A lot of people like to say it kind of reminds them of magic. Uh, I'm not sure why because I don't play magic, but it, you 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 basically get 10 random cards and that is your entire deck for the entire game. You never draw any more cards. It's not a deck building game. You just have 10 cards and you just have to do the best you can with those cards. And they, they do various different things. You get you can play so many um, cards as you can afford. You get you get to draw one card each turn. So 
if you use all your cards, you spend all your cards, then you just get one card and that's kind of all you can do. So you've got to be really strategic. And at first you're like, how am I going to do any of this? But then it all kind of kind of starts to come together and you all of a sudden you're seeing these different actions you can take and you're getting more resources so then you can do more things. And and it, it's a really fun, fairly quick, like probably like an hour long game with some meat on its bones, with some interesting card play. And, and each game is going to be different based on the 10 cards that you get and the different um, ways that you can turn your resources in, like different uh, things you can acquire throughout the game to use your resources for. When one of the first plays me and uh, a friend of ours played at this game, my instant thought was the 10 cards you got is like a jalopy of an engine and you're just trying to figure out how you can make it run. And there's there's versions of this where you can draft cards. Have you played it with drafting or have you only no, played No, I never random? want to. I like the randomness. I like the idea of like these are the cards you get make good use of it because if you draft like and you know how to play like obviously drafting you'll know what cards combo well together and i'm not yep. that experienced in the game so i that wouldn't benefit me i like the random just cut 10 cards do what you can with it which is unusual i normally would prefer a draft but yeah it's think, interesting that you you don't want the draft aspect of it i think it's because the game is designed to to be able to use all of the cards. Where in sure. games like like let's say Terraforming Mars, like you really want to draft because you you can't always do anything with the cards you're given. Like you really need to find those combos and like get those cards that work well together. In this game, you can make anything work. You just have to you just have to make it work for you. I think the the downfall of either system at the end of the day is when somebody gets a better, more efficient engine they will probably win. But at the same time, I think the experience of it is is still pretty good because I think everyone has a jalopy and they're all trying to figure it out. I think that's what it boils down to. Yeah, and it depends, everyone's trying to figure it out. It depends on those locations too that, that are yep. available. Like you might get a, a great uh, engine for blue and there not be a blue, anything to do with your blue resources. One downfall of the game, but it needs to be this way is it's a race, right? It's a race. First one to 10 points wins. So with those style of games, like they just, for whatever reason, I, I'm not a huge fan of those kinds of games, but this game is, it's, it's good. And the more I've played it, the more I've grown on it. My only issue comes with kind of the same issue you had playing scout with me is when we are, whenever we play this with Chris, he destroys us. Because he's it's not even it like a hundred times on BGA. He's like, it's oh, not even this funny. card is really good. He'll point out to my cards, oh, that's a good card. Oh, that combos well together. And I'm like, what? Like, he just knows what's going on. You know, yeah, he can he can win in like three rounds or something stupid. I think I've told this story before, but we were we were playing. It was me, Jeremy, and Chris, and we were playing online. And we were talking to, we were talking to Chris about how he's just like how good he is at it. And he's just like, yeah, depending on what kind of starting cards I have, I can usually figure out like if I have certain things I can probably like, I know I can win in like three turns. And me, <laughs> Jeremy wrote, man, we're, you, you're just playing a different game than us. And he is <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I'm still looking at these cards trying to figure out what to do. And he's like, yeah, I can win in three. Like what? Like, if you're learning the game, I do not recommend playing with people like Chris. In fact, yeah, we try no. to play this game when Chris is not around, so then we can all have a chance of winning. So that's what it's like. That was that is what it was like when you guys played Scout without me. So that's how it feels like. I get it now. You guys are good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not mad about it anymore. 
good. That is our my number 58, Raz Arcana. All right, my number 58 is Downtown Farmer's Market. This is an interesting kind of, uh, I don't want to say tiling because it's not tiling, but you're ultimately drafting these different tiles and you're placing them into rows and columns. And at the start of the game, what you're going to do is you're going to be getting basically four um, tiles and they're going to be double-sided and they're going to have scoring conditions. For example, one can say you get one point for every carrot that's in this row. You can have something that says you can have only five items in this row. Or you'll have something that says for every milk, if you have three milk, four eggs, you're going to score 12 points. And basically you align them. You get four to start. You align them on your on your columns. And then you get another four to align your rows. And those are your scoring conditions. And then basically you're just going to have a display of tiles. And you're going to be going in turn order, grabbing one of the tiles and placing it somewhere in your little tableau area. And the goal is to try to achieve as many of those scoring objectives as you can. And that's it. The artwork's actually kind of cool. Like it, it has a very simplistic art style that I really like. It's it, it's a fun, cool little puzzle because you're trying to figure out where you can place tiles in order to, you know, meet these scoring conditions. It's a cool little game that comes in a small little box and like I think they recently rethemed it too. Yeah, it's called Lost Seas. It's a it's basically the same game. It's just uh, one's nautical themed, one is farmer themed. S- same difference though. They it almost looks identical. That you're trying to one you're just instead of getting carrots, you're trying to get sea creatures. I actually like the artwork in Downtown Farmers Market slightly better than Lost Seas. But besides the point, either way, both same game. I think it's solid. Yeah, I like this game. It's a good one. I'll talk more about it later. Oh, okay. Got it. All right. Well, so that's the thing. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. I feel like all the games that you're going to talk about off my list are all, all just higher. They are. I like all these games. Yeah. my Yeah, You what you need to do is play games with me in the middle chunk. All right. Anyway, my number 58, Downtown Farmer's Market. Cool little puzzly game. I'm looking at the losses here, and it, it looks like... Like if you're like, I don't want downtown farmers market because the theme, like yeah. how dorky the theme is. This yeah. is like if you want like more of a more exciting theme, like it definitely has that like, oh, adventure where downtown farmers market is like literally about groceries. And it's like it, and it's like even the, the artwork, which I love, is very, very simplistic and almost like it looks like a children's hard book is what downtown farmers work where this lost sea looks like an adventure book <laughs> kind of, i agree with that it's yeah i don't know how much i can really say that it's like adventurous it literally just has icons on it it has like octopi beaches ships is that yeah. an island it looks like but it's not like li- it's not like little like it's not a baby board book this is a kids um adventure book like pick your own okay. adventure book that, right, you know sure. what i mean so I think a yeah. lot of people like will probably like this Lost Seas better for the theme. I personally agree with you. I like the Downtown Farmers Market, but well, that's cool. I'm glad to see more of it. I wonder if it um get more popular because of this. Unlikely, because I don't hear anyone talk about this one. I don't know. I think it's a cool game. It's another one of those like hidden gems of mine, I think, that not a lot of people play. I agree with that statement. All right. My number 57 is Potion Explosion. So this is 
Candy Crush the board game, but if Candy Crush was actually had some strategy and interest to it, you have this, you throw all these marbles in this, um, what do you call it? A, a rack, a rack of marbles. And you go ahead and pick out one of the marbles and whatever marbles then fall down and touch, if they're the same color, you also grab those marbles. And then if more marbles, you know, as the new marbles come together and crash into each other, if they're the same color, they cause a crash and you take those. And you continue on until the marbles that crash into each other are different colors, then you're done. Then you take all those marbles and you make up these little potions that you've got in front of you. You can hold two potions at a time. You can store just three extra marbles that you can't use. And then when your potions are completed, then you flip them over. And now you've got a special ability that you can use anytime. And you just spend it and lets you do various things throughout the game. Uh, it's really, really fun. It works really well. I like the puzzliness of the game. My friend had recommended it to me as a great game to play with kids. And so I bought it and played it with my kids and I re regretted it instantly. It was horrible. It was just marbles, marbles that we had to pick up off the floor because my kids can't keep anything on the table. But but we still played it like over the years. It's gotten they've gotten better at keeping things on the table. And it's it's just it's just a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. I actually have the app on my phone as well, which I play all the time when I'm looking for something mindless to play. Uh, I really enjoy it. And one time, like one of the best memories I ever have playing board games has been this game. Somebody had picked up the expansion and there's different professors that have different abilities that you can score on. And one of them is if you have to complete your turn in so many seconds, I don't know if it's like 30 seconds or 45 seconds. And if you don't, you get a penalty, a minus one point, something like that. Um, so it made you like play really, really quick, which was fun. But then also we played with another professor who gave you minus points if you dropped any marbles, which was also really fun. So combining those two together, one, you had to play really quickly and two, you couldn't drop any of the marbles, which is really hard even when you just play regularly, like you always just drop marbles. So we all like played quickly and dropped our marbles and it was just, it was so much fun. Somebody comes walking in the door when we were in the middle where we were playing. So I was like, oh, what are you guys playing? We're like, shh, we can't talk right now. You know, we're focusing on the game. It was one of the best gaming experiences I have. And, and that's why I think I, I still love this, like, fairly basic family-friendly game. It's you turned Potion Explosion into real time is what you did. Yeah, that. and it was that's fun, Bob. It was even more fun than the regular Potion Explosion. Yeah, is it, though? This yes. is actually, yeah, Potion Explosion is a cool game. Like, it's a cool concept. You got that dispenser with the marbles, and you're trying to pull them in order to, like, cascade them into other ones so you can get the potions are cool. Every time you take what you use one, you got to pretend like you're drinking it. Glug, 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 glug. You know, it's yeah, a rule. It's, yeah, you have to do that. It's mandatory. If if you don't, you don't get the special ability. It's uh, it's a thing. It's in the rule book. Look it up. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a solid game. I still own it. I, I got, I don't want to say I got super competitive with it, but we were playing this online with a friend who is really good at it. So I would <laughs> agonize over the best possible move. It almost turned into like five tribes. Like you're just analyzing. Okay, if I pull this, those will cascade and that. Okay, but I don't actually need those, but I can use this. But it, it became a whole thing instead of just quickly grabbing stuff. But I think it's You have to play with the expansion where you have to play in 45 seconds or less. I don't know if I want to turn this into a real-time game, though. I think that's my problem. Yeah, it, it works as a real-time game because... It, it's just a light game like you can stare at the board for so long that's annoying like this is a light game like 
just no, take you don't your turn put that go. much effort yeah. into it just take your turn and go yeah. it, it's yeah. fun it works and it's a great family game um as long as your kids can keep marbles i recommend playing this game over carpet like on the table and carpet and not like in your kitchen where you've got uh like a hard floor and then marbles roll everywhere but other than that great game my number 57 potion explosion all right, my number 57, I'm sure Natasha is going to tell me it's too low, and that is Hadrian's Wall. This is a uh, roll and write, really. I mean, you're flipping cards really at the end of the day, so you're not actually rolling any sort of dice, but you get a couple sheets of paper. You have a ridiculous amount of things you're doing. You're acquiring different kinds of workers, and you're using those workers to basically check off boxes. But where this game shines is, you have a gold, two gold workers, a blue worker, and a black worker, and you're trying to find a red worker. Well, you can get that red worker somehow. You just got to figure out how you're going to do it. Okay, I'm going to use this gold to move up this track, which is going to give me access to a second blue. If I use those two blue, I can move up these two, the, this track twice, and that'll give me you know, this worker, which then I can put over here and do this, and then I can get that worker, which is going to give me that worker that I needed, combine that with this worker, and then I, that's what you're doing. And there's there's one sheet that's pretty basic. You're just climbing up tracks, and it's somewhat production-based. And then there's another sheet where it's literally just a bunch of mini games. You're trying to check off boxes in order to get more stuff. There's going to be things that allow you to... Uh, you know, do gladiatorial fights. There's going to be, you know, you can go to the bathhouses that give you certain, that allow you to do certain things, but there's, so you're, you're trying to like figure out which mini games you want to play and you're just trying to like collect as many points as you can. It's, it's heavy. It's a heavy roll and write. It's, it's up there with, you're just constantly agonizing about how can I get the most out of what I have. Yeah, it's very heavy and it's a lot to keep track of. And I highly recommend checking it out on VGA or some kind of online version of the game because it does all that keeping track of it for you. So you you, you don't have to worry about like how many meeples I have left. What actions can I do? It kind of highlights the ones that you're, that's available for you to take that based on the workers and the resources that you have. It's a great game. My only issue is when playing online, one of the things that will happen in the game is you will acquire brick from other players while they're playing they're doing something and they eventually give you brick and the downfall of playing it online is you don't like you get the brick after you've completed your turn you know like everyone's completing their turn then all of a sudden you're like oh you have this extra two brick well Mm -hmm. i had two brick before and i really needed four brick to do this thing if i would have had that then i would have been able to do this thing but it's one of those at the end of the day i don't Unless you're trying to completely optimize playing this game, which I think would be an agonizing brain activity, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, you, it's hard to plan out that much in advance. I just kind of do whatever I can. Yeah, but yeah, if you're the first to play, you just have to wait until everyone's done. Or wait, if you think they, you might get break, you can sit and wait. You don't have to complete your turn. But yeah, that is a downfall of doing that online. Yeah, I'm sure Natasha will talk about it more. My number 57... Hadrian's Wall. All right. My number 56 is Five Tribes. You had just mentioned this as a game that you agonize over. And it is. You could, you could So this is a Moncala style game. You pick up a handful of workers on one location and one at a time you drop them off on various loca- adjacent locations. And then wherever you land, 
whatever worker you drop off there, you get to take the, all of the workers. So let's say you drop off a blue worker and the last one you drop off is blue and there's two blue workers on that spot. So therefore you get to have three blue workers. Now you do the blue worker action, whatever that may be. And you got three workers. That's better than having one. You get to do more with that. And then also you can take the action, on the tile that you land on. So you're looking at this board of various tiles that are placed in different spot sheets game. And you're like, okay, what tile action do I want to do? And what color action do I want to do? What's the color that's the best? And like, where can I get the best? So this color and action might be really good, but the tile isn't very helpful for me. So you kind of go over all these different choices and try to get the most amount of points each turn. And it's got a turn bidding action. So you can place your pawn, you can spend a ton of money to go first, guarantee go first, or you can spend zero coins and go last. But there's like three zero corn spots. So if you go there first, people are going to bump you. But or you can get like one that way everyone can take the free spots and hopefully you'll get first but somebody could go in front of you and and sneak first place for only a few coins so it's got a really interesting bidding on first turn and it really matters sometimes and sometimes you might not necessarily have an optimal move so you're fine with going last really like it I really like it at two because you end up getting two player pawns and you can set yourself in a way up in a way that you can take two turns back to back which is really cool because then you can set yourself up for like another really good turn it's a good game it is not on my list anymore partly because it's so brain burning for me because you're always trying to look for that best move it's interesting with what you're trying to accomplish with that Moncala kind of pick up and drop off sort of system but there's so much you're thinking about i think that for me, the problem is not necessarily that it's a lot to think about. It's I feel like I'm taking too long for my turn. And when I start getting into that realm is when I'm just like, all right, I just I just need to make a move and do my thing, you know? Yeah, you you at some point you just need to take a look at it, find something good and run with it. Yep. That is my number 56, Five Tribes. All right, my number 56 is brand new to the list. It like I just played it probably first time about a month ago, and that is Sagani. So this is an Uwe Rosenberg game. It, it came out in 2020, and all you're really doing is you're going to have a set of tiles, and these tiles are going to have arrows pointing in different directions, up, down, left, right, diagonally, and those arrows are going to be certain colors. So, for example, you could have a blue tile that will have a white arrow up and a red arrow to the right and then you place that tile down and what you want to do is somewhere in that right side place a red tile and somewhere above it place a white tile and if you do that you're able to flip that tile and score it it's for the most part that's it you're just you just have this puzzle in front of you where you're laying down these tiles and you're just trying to score them and you have so many of these like your player discs that you're able to put on each tile and then you'll cover up an arrow when you've accomplished it if you exceed the amount that you have, you start losing points. It's an interesting, cool little puzzle that kind of took me by surprise when I played it. We we had set up a game on, on Board Game Arena to play this, and I was like, all right, whatever. And I started playing it, and I was like, ooh, this is actually kind of interesting. Because one in the beginning, your decisions aren't that aren't that big. You're taking one tile, and like, okay, I'll take this tile. And then you start building out your board, and you're just like, how can I get a tile that's going to score several tiles if I place it in this one spot, that sort of thing. And it's just a cool, cool puzzle. And I'm really enjoying this game quite a bit, actually. 
it is very very puzzly that's all it is is just this puzzle and and i haven't figured out i've only played it on bg i haven't played it in person yet uh i haven't figured out like the right way to play the game i you know i play took it well. me a bit to learn the rules and you want to play it well this... is what it is i think yes yeah, i have not usually... figured out how to play it well now i know how to play it just not very well it's it's definitely very interesting and i'm enjoying kind of sinking my teeth into it and i'm enjoying learning like the strategies behind it because it's not as simple as what it seems like there's some interesting decisions because you can even like pitch a tile and say i'm not going to do this i'm not going to play it i want the next one so there's there's some interesting there's some good choices in this and i like that yeah if you like puzzly games definitely one worth checking out yeah i I've really been enjoying this game, and it's climbed up, obviously, quite a bit on my list. My number 56, Sagani. All right. My number 55 is, I think, my first Shem Phillips and uh, McDonald game. That is uh, Architects of the West Kingdom. This is a worker placement game. You have a slew of workers. It kind of was original in this idea. You have a ton of workers, and then as you're adding more and more of them out onto the board, you get that you get more benefits to that having that many more workers in each spot. So you go to the wood spot, you collect the wood. You send another worker out there. You already have a worker there. Now you get two wood. You send another worker out there. Now you get three wood. And so it kind of escalates. And then of course the twist of the game is that you can go to any you can go to another spot and you can round up any workers like any of one worker from one spot and send them off to jail. So then so if somebody starts just collecting a ton of resources and being able to do a whole bunch of things, you need to go out there and you need to send them off to jail. And when you do that, you can get paid. So it's a great way to get money. And so you're really incentivized to stop people in their tracks. But sometimes you also just want to play your game. Like you want things to do as well. Like you have, uh, you know, three workers at this location. So if you go there, you can get four workers. But if you ignore them, then you're letting them keep getting bigger and b- better things. And this... A lot of worker placement games are very much, okay, I have a plan. I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do this. You know, if somebody comes in and takes your spot, then you readjust your plan. So you've got a couple options. This game is very much a, a very tactile. Is that the word? A, tactics? It has more tactics than um, any other worker placement game. You really are playing and then you're reacting to everybody else on the board. Like, okay, I wasn't going to go there. But I have this really good opportunity to scoop up all these workers. Or I, I don't really need more gold, but I can get a ton and gold is really great. So I might as well go there and get all the sun. So it's really like about scooping up these opportunities as they come while keeping your, you know, focused on your goals of the game and trying to accumulate points. So it really feels unique and different than a lot of worker placement games. It's, it, there's a lot of timing. When do I tell when I when do I say enough is enough? I need to round up Natasha's workers and send them to jail. You 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 get too much gold, you go straight to jail. You know, <laughs> when like when does that happen? When do we self-regulate when we finally say, all right, you've been getting way too much stone or way too much clay, whatever. That's and I think that's such a cool concept is when do we do it? When do I take an off turn to do it? Yeah. You know, the, the, but there's that's the thing. You collect them and you can get you can get stuff for it. So maybe you, you're just waiting for somebody to do that thing. You know, and sometimes you hope you fly under the radar because at some point everyone's going to have to regulate everybody. It's just the mm-hmm. way it is. You can't let somebody continue to sit. It's 
It's and a cool you game. Of, you will run out of workers too if nobody rounds yep. them up. So at some point you're like, can somebody just round up some of my workers so I can right, yeah. go get them out of jail and and get them back so I've got workers in this game. And and you eventually run out of money. So then you're kind of forced because it's the best way to get money. Sometimes there's other ways to get money. It's really yep. a unique game. And uh, I do recommend the expansion with this. I very rarely recommend expansions, but the expansion does add a lot to this game. If you like it, it's definitely worth getting. The game itself is good, um, but it's, it's fair. It, it's fairly light. It's lighter. It's it's a definitely a midweight game, but it feels it feels like it flows nice and easy, easy to teach. Um, so adding that expansion really elevates the game. That is my number fifty five, Architects of the West Kingdom. All right, my number fifty five was also a game Natasha talked about last week, and that is Ankh, Gods of Egypt. This is a dudes on the map game by Eric Lang. This is the third in his trilogy of Blood Rage. Rising Sun, and then obviously Ankh. It's Egyptian themed. This one is this one's cool because you very rarely do you, can you play a dudes on a map game that plays well at two. And we we talked about it quite a bit last week. And I think this game, a game, this game is solid. the The merge thing kind of sucks, but there are ways around it. And I don't. You can play scenarios where the merge doesn't happen, or you can just kind of you know, not do the merge, but that's the the biggest criticism was that merge piece. But at the same time, like, I think it's a cool game. This is one of those dudes on the map game. I'd rather play at lower player counts than higher. And I can't say that about all of them. Like blood rage. I'd rather play at four. This I I'm fine playing it at two. We played it at two and I had a fantastic experience. I think it's a, a solid dudes on a map game that plays well at low player counts, which I think that that genre of game needed it needed a game that would you know do that at low player accounts so i really like it that's my number 55 onk gods of egypt all right my number 54 is a deduction game so it is not on bob's list this is cryptid this Ugh, is especially this one oh my god this is i don't a... think i've ever felt so stupid in my life than playing cryptid oh did you, you have saying... played it yeah yeah I've played it. Oh, I love this game. It's so good. This is pure deduction with no luck involved. I mean, a little bit of luck where you land, but um, where you select, you could luck into getting like figuring out the piece right away, but um, or the tile right away. But in a lot of deduction games, they really suffer because you're given information maybe randomly. Somebody could be given more information. You know, it, it just. It, it's it's a tricky thing to do in a deduction game. This everybody has like one piece of information, and you need to essentially figure out where this one space on the board is based on what you think the information everybody else has. And you can deduce it from based on what they tell you this this location could be. The way it plays out is really interesting. I don't know who came up with it and how they figured it all out, but it just works. Where I'm, I know one piece of information. Bob knows another, and between all. All the people at the table, there's only one spot on this giant board of hexes that this that could be the spot that meets those criteria. And you have to figure out what it is based on what other people tell you if if this could be the location or if it could not be. And I just love deducing all that out. I love doing it kind of as a table, like as a group out loud and thinking, okay, okay, so if Bob says it can't be this, that means that Bob 
you know, could have, it could, you know, he could think it's this type, it could be this land tile, it could not be this land tile. And though I love just like thinking out loud and kind of doing it together, even though it's not a cooperative game, you're trying to compete for it. But I love like, like talking through the logic. I think it's a lot of fun. And I really, really like this game. Great game. Don't listen to Bob. No, I mean, it's for a deduction style game. I've heard it's good. You played it. I mean, yeah, I've played it. That doesn't mean I liked it. The problem is I'm just like, I have no clue. And somebody's like, it's right here. And I'm like, how the. (sighs) All right. Well, good. GG, I guess. Good game. Cool. I'm glad you figured it out. Now we can move on. (laughs) Well, it's like if you like deduction games, you should check out Cryptid. If you don't, you probably won't like it. That is my number 54 Cryptid. All right. My number 54 is a game we've talked about quite a bit, and that is Ticket to Ride. I still like it. I still think it's a solid game. I still have fun with it. I taught my parents this game over Christmas. Went over really well. It's it's a welcoming game. It's at this point, we've talked about it so much, I think, on this podcast that I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. I really like it. I still enjoy it. I think it's a solid game. I like the North America map the best with the expansion. It is such a such a great game. All right. My 53 is Where Words. So this is a uh, 20 question style game. You're asking 20 questions, not necessarily 20 of them, but you're asking yes or no questions to figure out this specific item. The twist being that it's got the werewolf uh, theme on it. So there is a werewolf who does not want you to figure out the words throw asks ridiculous questions takes up your time and then of course as a group if you if you don't guess the word then you can try to guess who the werewolf is and if you do that then you can win as well it's i really like like 20 questions it's just a fun concept and and you when it's really fun to be the the seer who knows the word you get to see the word and then everyone asks you the questions and you hand them yes or no tokens and it's just a lot of fun to play. We often will play it late at night and we'll play it like five, ten times in a row. It's quick. It's easy. It's fun. It plays a very large group, it plays a lot of numbers, of, a lot of number of people. And you kind of add these different characters to it each time you add people. It, it Overall, it's a very good game. Yeah, I think it's I think it's solid. It's not on my list anymore because I just haven't played it. But it's it was always a fun word game that it takes the werewolf theme and slaps it onto a 20 questions word game. And I think that's just cool, right? Because the werewolf is trying to steer you away. There's one person who knows what the word is, and they're getting frustrated. It's, yeah, it's just, it's it's a weird thing, too, because if you guess the word, it's right, but then the werewolf gets an opportunity, I think, to guess something, or the, the person who knows who the werewolf is. If they get oh, if outed, a, yeah. If there's a seer, then the werewolf can figure out who the seer is. Or maybe, yeah, the seer is not, isn't that person who also knows the words but can't give themselves away. Clearly, we know the game. rules. Yeah. Just saying. I don't know yeah. the rules very well. But there, there's all kinds of rules. and It's really fun. Totally fun. I don't Solid like being the werewolf because I, I don't, because you know the word and you're like, yeah, I have no idea how to throw people off. It's really hard. It's like the one oh, game where like, I don't want to be the traitor. But it's it's still it. a lot of fun. I my love number, my number fifty three. Where words? All right, my number fifty three is Marvel Champions, the card game. So this is a game by Fantasy Flight. It is a living card game. It takes the uh, concept of something like Arkham Horror, the card game, and kind of moves it into the Marvel universe. So you can play Spider Man. You can play 
Cyclops, you can play Thor, you can play all these different ones. And what's cool is uh, you don't necessarily need to do deck building. If you like deck building, you can make that part of this game. But other than that, you take some aspect cards of the specific character you're playing, and then you take a sort of um, personality trait. Like, uh, for example, it could be aggression, protection, that sort of thing, and you just shuffle them together, and you have your deck. Now, that's not is not as optimized as it could be. And then you're going against villains, like you're going against Ultron, you're going against Rhino, you're going against you know Red Skull. So you're attacking these people. They have released some campaign-driven ones, which I think are cool. And it's just a cool, solid game. I like the theme and the overall arching story of Arkham Horror, the card game, better. But this is still a solid game. If you like Marvel, I think this is a cool game. Because you, you even have like a character card that has its superhero side and then it's like alter ego. So you can you're flipping back and forth between the two. I think I think it's a I think it's a cool, cool game. Have you played this? I don't think you have. No. It's cooperative. I don't think you'll like it, but No. I have quite a bit of content. I stopped with kind of the X-Men stuff, but I don't know. I really enjoy it. It's one of those games that it's fun to bust out, fun to play as Iron Man, fun to play as Spider-Man. So my number 53, Marvel Champions, the card game. All right. My number 52 is a real-time betting game. This is Ready, Set, Bet. And it so you're there's a horse race and somebody's rolling the dice or you've got the app doing it, whatever. And there's a horse race going on. And while the horses are taking off, you are going to start betting on which horse you think is going to win the game. And you want to obviously you want to bet first so you can get the best bet out there because they're worth more points. But you don't want to bet too early because just because that one horse has a lead doesn't mean you know, that dice couldn't be not rolled for the rest of the game. But you don't want to wait too long because those little spots are taken or once three horses cross this red line that the race uh you could no longer bet the race continues until you've got a winner um but you can no longer bet so you've got to get the you get the time the the bets in it's it's really really fun it plays up to quite a few people um it in and you play over several rounds or a few rounds and you kind of gain a few little special powers and then you're also betting on other kind of scenarios that might happen in the game like you're betting maybe a red horse will win or maybe a blue horse will win or maybe there'll be a, a close finish at the end or there'll still be somebody way in last place there's all kinds of scenarios that you can also bet on and you just whoever wins the most money wins the game yeah this is an interesting game because it is real time but the the first time I ever played it, the person who was essentially running the game that was doing the horses did such a good job rolling the dice and like, oh my god, here comes boxcars and just like as they're like moving these horses up and everything like that. I don't know. It was it was cool. It was a cool experience. Him, you know, shouting out what was happening with the horses and everything like that. The it betting was kind of cool. A lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, if you've got a good yeah. announcer, it, you yeah. need, you, need, you either need a separate person to do that that that's fun and says things loud and, and goes really fast to make it fun. Or you you can use the app. Yeah. Embrace the theme for sure. Cool game. All right. My number 52 ready set back. Great game. Highly recommend. All right. My number 52 is star Wars outer rim. This is another fantasy flight game where you're playing as bounty hunters in the star Wars universe. This is almost kind of like sandboxy open world. You can go collect bounties. You can go, raid stuff you can attack different ships it's it's you're playing as a bounty hunter you're playing as the scum and villainy of the universe you know you can play boba fett you can be 
Dengar. You can be all these different like characters from the Star Wars universe. And again, you're just flying around your ship. You're getting new ships. You're upgrading the ships. You can, you know, you can acquire bounties. You can drop them off. You can, you know, pick up cargo and smuggle it. You can do all these different things. And I, it's it's a cool game based on the theme. I think it's a little long if you're not engaged in the theme as that as much. And I my other fear is that it becomes a little samey because it's, you know, okay, I'm collecting the same bounty that I did last game, that sort of thing. They did release an expansion. I haven't had an opportunity to play it yet, but I I still really like this game. Anything in the Star Wars universe where I can play, you know, I can drive around, you know, in Slave 1, like, yeah, the Millennium Falcon, let's do it. Sign me up. Yeah, I, like I don't think game. you need to worry about it being too samey because it is a hard one to get to the table because of how long it is. Yeah. And I I don't like this game. This is 100% not my style of game. But I, I, it's fine. Like, it's not a bad game or anything. I just don't like the style of game. Well, part of it is it, you need to love the theme. If you don't love the theme, then it could be a it's little It's kind long. of a... It, if you don't love the theme, it's just a very... The mechanics of it and everything are fine, but it, it, it's got a lot of, like, I think wild... St- swinginess to it like opposed yep. to it's got a lot of tactics and very little you know not a lot of strategy and sure so it's definitely not my thing but yeah i, don't know. I like it like star wars yeah if you like star wars you'll probably like this game my number 52 star wars outer rim all right last up is my number 51 space space another space theme game star wars outer rim space base this this no, is cute they're not, they're not even the same not even this is in the fun same cutesy light space theme game this is such a great game and i have taught it to so many people and has gone over very very well it plays two to five and at first i actively avoided playing it at two um but then i started playing it with my daughter at two because she just really liked playing it and i really like it at two as well so this is a game where you roll the dice and you get to activate anything that based on the dice you you have two dice you can use each of the dice single or you can combine them together. So if you roll a one and a five, you can activate your one spot and your five spot, or you could activate your six spot. Um, and then everybody else also gets to activate their spots, but only like their upper spot. So as you collect cards, you um, you replace them and you flip them over. So now you start adding cards into your upper spots. You don't have you only have one to start the game. Um, so it's really interesting the way that the dice come out, like the bigger, the higher, the number, the bigger, the payoff, but the less likely that those will get rolled, you know, you end up kind of rolling a lot of these lower numbers a lot because you can always have a low number one through six, you know, and if you add them up, you might get a higher number. The way that the, it kind of plays out, you can decide your strategy. Do you want to go all in? one or two numbers or do you want to have like an even spread so that way whenever anything is rolled you always get something and i just really like this game it's it's quick it's like 45 minutes to an hour long it's it's in the the you know lighter lighter style game it's great for new players overall i, lo- I really love this game it's one of those games that i don't typically think about that it's going to end up on my top 100 games but every time I play it, I'm like, oh, man, this game is just good. It's just such a solid game. It, it keeps people engaged on everyone's turn. It does something with, you know, trying to buy those cards and everything along those lines. It's every time I play it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this game's good. And I, I enjoy it. But it's not one of those games I'm always just like, let's play Space Base. You know, it's this, it lives in this weird space for me. 
I think it's a solid game, but I'm also like, I don't want to say it's forgettable, but it's always kind of in the back of my mind that like, I don't, or I, I just don't think about playing it. But then when somebody suggests it, I'm like, this is, this is solid, you know? Yeah. It doesn't get played in our game group very much anymore, but I still get it out a lot to play with my family and I play it with uh, a lot of my casual gamers who friends who don't play a lot of board games they really like it um if you like machi like i have friends that like machi koro so i was like oh i'll play this with them and they really enjoyed it um so it's kind of in that same vein but just a much better game yeah i agree my number 51 space base all right my number 51 the last one for this episode is a game that natasha probably doesn't like and that is a pandemic game it is specifically pandemic iberia of all the pandemics, this is the one I picked. This is the one that I like the best. So it's set in 1848, and you're playing in Spain and Portugal, and you're trying to do the same thing in pandemic. It's a pandemic system. It just set in kind of a different timeline. What's cool about this one is you have to make specific hospitals for the specific colors of the disease that you're trying to 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 cure. You can eradicate. There's no way to eradicate the diseases, but you have to build, for example, you have to build blue hospital to cure the blue disease, that sort of thing. I also think what's cool about this one is there are routes that you can make. So you get these little train tiles and you're able to create routes. So it's going to help you travel faster around the map, which I think is very important in the early stages of the game is just trying to create a good network to get to the different cities, which I think is interesting. There are some modules in it. So you can play, for example, this particular, like the co- the swine flu or something like that. Okay, well, that is going to have its own kind of like set of rules. You can make it so people are, the cubes are naturally migrating towards the hospitals because they want to try to get to the hospitals to get cured. But it takes the pandemic system and puts it into this world. And I just think it's good. Of all the pandemics, this is, like I said, this is probably my favorite between this and like the original one that I play quite a bit. It's I yeah, I really like it. I I like how it changes up that system but still feels like pandemic. I haven't played this one, but I'd be willing to give it a shot. But what? I I'd try it. You know, if, if it's a step up from pandemic, I I think that could be interesting. Oh, you might be disappointed. I don't know if it's a step up. I think I like it better just because there's more to think about early game. Cuz mm-hmm. I think that in pandemic the early game is a lot of just like, well, we're not really worrying about anything. In yeah. this one, you're you're okay. I'm I'm neglecting clearing cubes so I can build railways. So you're you're thinking about in the beginning what's the best routes I need to make that sort of thing. And that's what I really like about this game is that first part feels good with trying to create those routes. Okay, so yeah, probably not then. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to necessarily like it any better, but I I enjoy this version. If you can get your hands on it, I think you should get this version. My number 51, Pandemic Iberia. All right. Well, thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week where we go through 41 through 50. And help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook. And send us any comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. 